Hello, everybody. Hi. It's time. Yep, yo, time to make that change. Okay. Are y'all ready? Okay. Listen, it was so good. <laughs> well, we didn't even introduce ourselves. Right, um, yeah. I'm Jerry Flowers. How you doing? I'm Tanisha Flowers. Say hello to my little friend. She is here with me on the night. I said I probably need to have uh, my rib come back with me. I'll pray for me. What was that? <laughs> it was what? Just introducing you. Look. You're a monster um, now, a holy, a holy gangster? Spiritual monster. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, look, let, I just want to say this. Like, my wife and I are blown away. Uh, we decided, it was like, look, we, we're going to have to do part two. Of this particular conversation, based on all the comments, listen, we have people from all over China, Taiwan, uh, Brazil, of course, states, New York and Atlanta, everybody. I'm just like, man, this is like international. You guys are showing out. Go ahead. Let us know where you're from. Drop, drop a, it in the comments. Drop it in the comments. Let us know where you're from. If this is now your ninth time in the Tribe Me series, because we are on lesson number nine crazy right y'all believe it cray cray number nine yeah this this one on the night i hope you ready y'all <laughs> put your seatbelt on tighten your lace front let's go this message is gonna be good and make sure you do a screenshot take a screenshot so we can see where you're watching it um there was somebody from like paris remember i showed you that screenshot yeah and Someone, the eiffel tower was in the yeah, back yeah eiffel tower was dope. in the back they were you know uh having dinner and watching and yeah. i saw family watching you guys are blowing us away and I think this is just a result. If you give God your yes, get ready for him to blow your Amen. mind. Amen. Amen. And it's also encouraging because it lets us know that people are still hungry for the word of God. Right. And right. we strive to give you sound biblical doctrine. As everything that sounds good doesn't mean it's sound or good. Amen. So I hope you guys are ready for this on tonight. Um, we have a foundational text that I think is going to be very good in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I can say it now like it's normal. Turn your Bibles because I've seen many people have their Bibles and their notes and their iPad, like, pen. So the, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read a few passages of Scripture. Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 42. It says, While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Somebody say believe. Believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talea Takumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, don't you love that word? Immediately, the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. A verse of importance, and where we're going to park on tonight takes residence in verse 40. And they ridiculed him. 
But when he had all put them outside, somebody say, put them out. Put them out. When he all gave them an eviction notice, (laughs) he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. God, bless this moment. Bless your word. We are praying that you anoint our lips, oh God. All the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't seen, if you aren't glorified, and if we don't make you visible. So we're praying that you have your way in this moment. Touch the hearts of your people for you know where they struggle. You know where they need healing. You know where they need encouragement. And we're praying that we can be all those things because you are all things to all men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are y'all ready? So listen, we are in part nine of our Try Me series. And we said, you know what? We need to just come out here and do Destiny Decisions part two. Are you sure you want to get married? We talked about Try Trust. We talked about try patience. We talked about try kingdom language with part three and four. We talked about try resting, try surrendering, try believing. And now we are talking about try purpose. Try purpose. Somebody say purpose. Purpose. Because you have to understand that purpose is a fixer. Purpose is a fixer. It is a fixer of a problem. The purpose of these lights on my wife and I right now is to fix a darkness problem. So since you and I have a purpose, this means God has given you the oil to change something. There is something that you have been cosmically created to fix in the earth. This is why the devil for many of us has constantly been coming to hit us and try to distract us and send us counterfeit after counterfeit because he never wants you to discover that you're called to be his problem. So he tries to get you stuck on your problems. I need relationships in my life that don't cause problems, but help me fix problems. You know what relationship goals are to me? When you marry somebody who helps you advance the kingdom of heaven and terrifies hell. When your whole clique is oily. When all of us are fixing problems. I need circles. Why are we coming out like this? I need circles that fix problems, not cause problems. Because purpose is a fixer. So that when you and I die, some problem should no longer exist because purpose is a fixer. We aren't just existing, we are living. When you're existing, you need your alarm clock to wake you up. Ah. Oh, but when you are living, purpose wakes you up. Your assignment wakes you up. A calling wakes you up. So now I live on purpose. I talk on purpose. I think on purpose. I marry on purpose. I even date on purpose because it's impossible for you to be spirit-led and serial date. Come on. That was just a gut punch. Why are we coming out like this? We talked about consider your purpose. We talked about consider destiny. And fight for destiny. Tonight, we're going to continue that conversation. Somebody say purpose. Purpose. Yeah, so talk about this. Okay, so if we look at the passage with Jairus, right? Um, Jairus needed something from Jesus. Mm -hmm. When he went to find Jesus, at first he needed Jesus to be a healer because his daughter was sick. If you go before the passage that we read, um, somebody came to say, you know, don't trouble him anymore. Your daughter is dead. Yeah. Right? But at first... He needed Jesus to be a healer, okay? Mm. So once the person came and told him that his dog was, uh, was dead, now he needed him to perform a miracle, right? Yeah. And, and Jesus told him, don't be afraid, only believe. And I think a lot of us are in seasons in our, in our life that we need a miracles from God. You yeah. know, it's gone from one place to the next place, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, it was, it's, it's gone from bad to worse, okay? Yeah. And I think if we, if we get to a place where we can be like Jairus and trust, only believe, 
then the stuff that we're asking God for, like the clarity that we need, like, you know, the, uh, the, the connection in your marriage that you need, like the depression that needs to be removed, like the, uh, the insecurity that needs to be removed, like all of the, the emotional problems, the mental problems that you have that needs to be removed. Yeah. If we trust God and only believe, then God can perform that, that miracle. However, when, when, when Jesus got there with Jairus, you know, they were wailing and they were crying. And they said, why, you know, he was like, why, you know, why are you guys crying? She's, she's asleep. And they ridiculed him. Yeah. Okay. And, and some, in some uh, passages, it says they laughed him to scorn. They mocked him. They mocked him. Right. Yeah. And so now we have to remember Jesus, you know, I, I, a lot of movies portray Jesus as this, you know, hipster, you know, peace be unto you, peace be unto long you. hair. But I mean, I can imagine if you are laughed to scorn and you know who you are. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm God. You know what I'm saying? So I know they're not about to be up in this house laughing at me. So I'm sure he wasn't like, everybody needs to leave the house immediately. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't like that. I'm sure he was like, get out. Everybody needs to go. I'm sure he had some, some you know, some force behind his yeah. voice because the atmosphere was not conducive to perform the miracle that he needed to Ooh, perform. Talk, girl. Right? So he was like... Nah, y'all got to go. You yeah. know, like that person, you get at that, you know, the, the person gets mad, and they're like, everybody got to get out. Everybody got to go. Everybody gets out. That's, I believe that's how Jesus was. He, he was like, like Martin. Like, y'all step. Yes. Huh? Everybody got to step. Get to get stepping. <laughs> right. But I believe Jesus probably had that type of attitude because he yeah. was like, I know they are not about to be up in here, you know, doubting. Like, I can't, I can't do a miracle in this atmosphere. Mm. Right. And so he only, he pretty much kicked everybody out except for the father, the mother, and I believe the text says the people that were with him yeah. at the time. And yeah. he kicked everybody out. And then when the miracle was performed, then, you know, he's like, don't tell anybody. Because people were going to see, you yeah. know, clearly that the girl wasn't dead. Right. And I think a lot of people, you're having these issues in your life or in your marriage or in your relationships yeah. because you don't have an atmosphere conducive for the miracle. Talk. You don't have the atmosphere where God can change things and do some things and move some things and turn some things around. Yeah, it may have gotten from bad to worse and from worse to worse, sir, or even worse, or if that's, yeah, worse, sir. Yeah. But here's the thing. You haven't taken the time to have faith, believe, and then evict. Because what Jesus did, he served that eviction notice. He evicted those people. And what God needs to do in some of our lives, he needs to evict some things. But we have to create the atmosphere so that he can evict those things. But if we still got those things around us, those people around us, we still have that bad attitude or, or that bad mouth. You know, we can't talk to people the right way. If we still have all of this craziness in our, in, in our emotions, if we're still oh. allowing things to come into our life that's uh, distorting our view of yeah. who God is or what he wants us to do, then guess what? God can't uh, change and uh, change things in your life and can't make the, the miracle. He can't perform the miracle because we have not allowed God to evict those things. And that's the step that a lot of us need to take in our marriages. And we're talking about kingdom marriages and relationships here. Mm -hmm. Listen, you want God to turn some things around? You've got to evict some things. Sometimes the problem is you. Okay, sometimes it's not the other person. Maybe yeah. there's some things that God is doing in you that you need to remove, that mm -hmm. you need to allow God to transform, that you need to allow God to evict. Yeah. And he can't perform. He, he needs to have that atmosphere conducive so he can perform your miracle. Preach, girl. You just came out flamethrowing. 
Look, did y'all hear what she said? There's two things I want to touch. Like when we were talking about try purpose, I think we have to understand that God does everything on purpose, which makes it easier if we live a life in purpose. If God does everything on purpose, we must live a life in purpose so that we can be in tune to make decisions that are beneficial for our purpose. So I I have to make sure that you, you have to understand I cannot be the solution and the pollution at the same time. Mm. That there are just some things in my life that has to go. Right. There's some things that God has to deal with. Right, 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 and right. That we're just going to have to be honest and have to be open. Like, I understand everybody needs healing. Yeah. But we have to make sure that we're not allowing people to use our heart as their practice field. That's good. That's I have good. to get to a place where I'm, I am no longer justifying my scars because I'm in love with the person who has a relational knife. This, this, this is not healthy. God wants us to live a life of purpose, right? Yes, and yes. so in this text, you may be wondering, okay, I thought we were talking about, you know, do you want to get married and, and, and destiny decisions, and are you sure? We are pointing out the problem. The problem is instead of us evicting things, help me, Holy Ghost, instead of us evicting things, we evict Jesus. I don't want Jesus to mess this up because my biological clock is ticking. I don't want Jesus in this room. I will have this room have potpourri, but don't come in here and start talking about me being sexually pure. Don't come in here and start addressing my vibrator. Don't come in here and start addressing my masturbation. We don't want to talk about that. We just want you to stay in the living room. We want it nice and tidy for you. It's vacuumed in here. Yeah, it's It's vacuumed in here. It's It's cleaned in here. But that basement issue. stuff in the other room. (laughs) <laughs> that basement issue, that stuff that you're not talking about yeah. because possibly you were raised and you were told what goes on in this house yeah. stays in this house. And there's some stuff that Jesus is saying, listen, until that gets out, certain things can't get up. Y'all didn't hear yeah. what I just said. This girl couldn't get up right. until certain things got out. Yeah. And I don't know who we're preaching to on tonight, right. but what needs to get out? I wish I had a spoon and some tea. <laughs> what needs to get out of your life? That God is saying, you want me to do the miraculous? That has to go. You want me to do the miraculous? This has to go. I need an atmosphere that's conducive. Stop asking, when am I going to send you the one? I need you to be ready. How are you more ready for me to send you somebody than for my son's return? Come on. I need you to be ready for me. I need you to spend time with me. You know what the issue with your marriage is? I don't have have any say in your marriage. You go off your feelings. You go off when something hurts your emotions, you get offended quickly, and then you wonder why, God, where are you in the midst of this? I'm about to mess some people up. And then people misquote scriptures and say, well, you know what? Whatever God put together, he's obligated to keep together. I think you have to understand this. Some of this stuff, God's not putting together. Nope. Yeah, we're going to get an email on that one. We're going to get some comments on that one. Yeah, some of this stuff God is not putting together, right. we are. And if God didn't put it together, he's not obligated to keep it together. It. And on. I believe on the night what we're trying to do, coming in your living room, coming in your car, coming through your retina display, through your laptop, through your iPad, or wherever you're watching this, we're trying to give you a Mike Tyson uppercut and let you understand. Right. Maybe the problem is you haven't allowed Jesus to be your landlord. So good. Jesus wants to come in and say, listen, this has to go. You want me to heal you from childhood? I need you to stop acting like that doesn't hurt because you cannot feel a void that you keep avoiding. We have to address that. Stop coming up to me talking about God is great. God is good. Let's talk about you not talking to your daddy. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the issue that you're smiling because I'm tired of people that have been classically conditioned that have facelifts, but they don't have heart transplants. 
I want your heart. I don't want just lip service. I want your heart. You want to give your heart to somebody who loves you. And I'm trying to let you know you can never love them the way you're supposed to love them if you don't let me be your landlord. There's some stuff I have to evict. Stuff that a lot of churches don't like to address. Yeah, I said vibrator because how are you trying to be sexually pure but you got a vibrator, sis? How, How are you trying to be sexually pure but you got a condom? Why you still got their contact in your phone? So Why you have a contact saved with somebody that they live at a place that you fail? Right. We going all the way here. You know why we talking about this? Because there are so many people who are struggling in bondage, but you're smiling like you're free. And we don't want you to act free. We want you to be free. And Jesus sometimes has to come in like an episode from Martin. Step. All y'all got to go. Step. Get out. Get out. Get get out. All everybody has to get out because you want me to do the miraculous, right? Right, right, right. right. So let's touch on some things that God has to evict. What do you think is a big thing that God has to evict? Point number one, loneliness. I think um, loneliness is not just for people that are unmarried, okay? Loneliness can apply to people that are married and unmarried, okay? Because you can be in a marriage and still feel lonely. (laughs) And I think uh, people think when you get married, oh, I'm not going to be lonely anymore. And really, that's an insecurity issue because... God is supposed to be our everything. And I'm not saying that, you know, you don't have moments of weakness maybe if in your unmarried state where you're like, you know, you may long for somebody, but you can quickly snap out of it when you understand, you know what? I'm in God's will. It's going to happen in his timing if that is his will. And I'm going to continue to focus and trust in God. Yeah. But when you allow loneliness to, to take over your mind or take over your heart, then that's when the enemy can come in and then you can start, like we said before, entertaining counterfeits and yeah. other foolishness. Yeah. So, um, and then when you're in the marriage and you're lonely, this, you, you may have gotten married because you thought marriage was going to cure loneliness. Mm. And we have to remember that God is the only one that can fulfill us completely because yeah. I can be in a room full of people and still feel lonely. Yeah. That's an emotional issue. That's a heart issue that God's got to heal. Yeah. Okay. And so we need to allow that atmosphere uh, in our hearts to say, okay, why am I lonely? What, what is it about me that I feel like I need people or I need someone to feel, fulfill me or I need somebody to be with me or I don't feel complete or I don't feel important or I don't feel like, yeah. you know, I'm somebody or I'm special. And, and I remember um, when my mother, before she remarried my stepdad, she was single for some time. And I, I can recall, I don't ever remember her talking about her being lonely ever because she was about her father's business. Like, like I can't say that enough. Like when you are so focused on who God is and what he is for you and what he is in you and what he's doing for you and what he's doing with you, there's no way that you can possibly be lonely because you're so consumed with who he is. Like you can't be lonely because you're so consumed with his love and his goodness and his purpose and his his calling and the destiny he has for your life. Like how could you possibly be lonely? So if you're lonely, you you have to be focusing on somebody else. You have to be focusing on something else. You have to be involved and consumed with something else other than Christ. Because you can't, like, live a life or a state and be lonely and have Christ at the same time. You have to be that, like, allow God to evict those things. Because I promise you, if you think you getting married is going to cure you from being lonely, you're going to be sadly mistaken. And you are going to be lonelier in your marriage. And your marriage is going to suffer because of it. Because you are not complete in God. Because you're not one in God. You're not whole in God. And that's what has to happen first. 
That's what needs to be evicted before you allow a relationship to form because then you have two whole and complete individuals serving Christ together. Yeah. Not one whole and one half, and then you expect to be whole, and you expect this person to fix. Like, listen, no, Christ is the only fixer. Talk. He's the only fixer. He cannot fix my loneliness. I can be with him 24-7, and I can still feel lonely. Yeah. It does not fix relationships, friendships, no, no type of ship. <laughs> no type of ship that you can get involved in situationship can cure your loneliness or fix your loneliness yeah. if you are not whole and complete in Christ Good. not even a puppy okay or a dog or a pet is gonna make you feel secure only yeah. Christ can and that has to happen before you decide to get in any relationship of any form yeah and, and she she's not just up here giving you religious rhetoric okay when we were courting I had to catch this woman Okay, ladies, let me mess you up. Kingdom men don't necessarily look for a woman that's already going at a slow pace. Counterfeits look for somebody who's going at a level faster than them so that you could drag them. Okay? But when it's kingdom, it's kind of like this. It's like yeah. we're running. We just kind of running, and I just happen to notice, like, you right next to me, Right? So she's not going to be so clingy because I'm her everything. She already running before I got there, right? And if I happen to slow down, she's still running. Don't look at me. Keep on going because if you look at me, you're going to miss your hurdle, right? And a lot of us are slowing down. Slow down start coming back with me. A lot of us are slowing down because we're lonely and we're keeping somebody who takes your speed. Oh. That's good. We're, using, we're, we're entertaining people that makes us slow down wow. when God is saying, no, this is the pace I want you to go at. So when it's kingdom and you're going at your kingdom pace, Listen. you don't slow down for anybody else. You either hop, adjust to my speed, hop in, I'm going to carry you, bro, or you're going to get left. You're going to get left in my dust. You're going to get left in my dust. Yeah. But I'm not going to slow down for you. See, you have to understand this. You have to understand this. She had like, what, two or three jobs? I did. Mission trips, P12 groups, yeah. was going to Tanzania. She was all over the place, right? And for me, because we talked about this in part one, since I considered my purpose, you're going to be a pastor, I recognized she'll be able to help me with missions. I'll be able to help her with missions. Yeah. And so now how I view it, since I'm a preacher, I'm like a trumpet blower, right? View a kingdom. I'm the trumpet blower. She's a worshiper. She lays on the red carpet. In the kingdom, we're going to keep bumping into each other. Yeah. We're going to keep bumping into each other. Amen. I'm blowing the trumpet saying, here comes the king. She's laying down the carpet saying, here comes the king. You want to give, get in relationships that help you. Yeah. Help you. They don't fulfill you. Yeah. See, many times our insecurities are exposed by who we pick. Good. Oh, Lord. Our insecurities are exposed by who we pick. And a lot of us have yet to realize that sometimes we are picking ponds instead of recognize we're called for oceans. All right. There's yeah. a difference. I said this before. There's a difference in being alone and lonely. Yeah. Adam was not lonely, but he was alone. Right. When you are alone, you have mastered your solo. When you are lonely, you won't even play your solo because you want to do it. Wow. There's a certain chord that God needs in his symphony. Yeah. There's a certain note that God needs in his symphony. Good. And as long as you're not playing your note, why would God send you somebody right now when you're in rebellion right now? Ooh. I need you to work your assignments. That's I need good. you to play your note. God is not hiding your purpose. That's good. He's not like, oh, you didn't find it yet. No, no, <laughs> that's not it either. Yeah. He wants you to be so much about him. 
And like we said prior in this series, the cure for loneliness is not company. Yeah. It's calling. Yes. It's calling. When I was unmarried, like we're, we're trying to give you some truth. When I was unmarried, when there were Friday nights that I knew I was going to be by myself, I hit up the parents of the young men that I discipled. They were called Blazers, Bold Leaders Aim for Zion, Exposing a Righteous Standard. I know it's real churchy, but that's what I called it, right? <laughs> BLBC, Brotherhood Led by Christ. And I knew if I didn't have nothing to do Friday night, hey, can I pick up your sons? We're going to play basketball. We're going to play 2K. And that's all I did. It was life on life. I don't know what it means to be bored and single. Yeah. I don't, like, I think when you're kingdom, waiting never feels like waiting. Yeah. Woo! Waiting never feels like waiting because there's something that you could be doing right now. Yeah. If you don't believe me, Jesus says it this way. The harvest is plentiful. Right, right. But there's the laborers. There's something to do, right? Yeah. There's some, there, there is something to do. There's just not people doing it. Uh, because they're so consumed with like, when am I going to get married? Or why is this? Or why don't I have this? You know, they're, they're so worried about what they don't have mm -hmm. that they're not even paying attention to st all of the, the stuff that God has already made available for them to occupy. Talk. And I think uh, a, a lot of believers, I'm talking about believers, you know, we, we are we're not even consumed. You know, you say you, you believe in Jesus and you say, you, you know, you're a kingdom citizen, you want God's will, but you, you're, you're, there, there's no fruit. Yeah. Like I can't see there's nothing that you're doing. Mm. And, and and if the if the harvest is plentiful, then then be one of those laborers, okay? Oh. And don't be consumed with all of this other stuff that trust me, if God wants you to have it, he's going to give it to you. Like yeah. we can't stop what God has for us. Like yeah. you know, especially if we're doing the will of God. Like if you're pursuing purpose and walking according to the calling that God has called you to, we can't miss any of it. Like yeah. we can't, we can't miss that. Like yeah. especially, but what happens is things get delayed when we're consumed with other stuff. So, so we want stuff. We want God to send us things, but He's like He said, you know, I can't send you this because it'll become an idol. Yeah. I can't give you this because you're gonna put it before me. Yeah. I can't, I can't give you this because you're not gonna spend any time with me. Like yeah. I'm not gonna give this to you. Okay. Yeah. I need you to be worried about my harvest. Oh. Like, be consumed with my harvest. Be consumed yeah. with my work. Yeah. Be consumed with my calling, your purpose. Like, yeah. I, I, there's something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Okay? It's not fixed yet because you haven't, you haven't, you, you haven't started fixing it. Talk. Listen. Marriage does not cure loneliness. It exposes it. Did you hear what I just said? Marriage or relationship does not cure loneliness. It exposes it. This is why a lot of people are married and still lonely because the cure for loneliness was not a person. It was purpose. Yeah. And until you put your foot on that purpose, you'll forever be lonely. Yeah. Jesus is trying to evict that. Yeah. So that even if you do get married, I don't want you to be married and clingy because you don't have a life outside of them. That's, good. that's why some people are so attached because you're all they have. Maybe that's why they blow your phone up. Not because they're a bugaboo, a bugaboo, but maybe they have no life outside of you. Mm. Jesus is saying, I want to be your life. Yes. Don't ever allow yourself to get attached to your career, your money, or your influence. All of that could fade. Yep. Attach yourself to your assignment. Yes. Because now you have self-power. Can't Ooh. nobody take that because God's not going to take that. The devil's trying to stop that, but that's what you've been called to do. Yeah. Somebody say purpose. Purpose. Okay. Point number two. We didn't hit that one thing. It's so good. There's a point in here. When you, when you live a life of boredom, boredom thoughts open distraction slots. Okay, yeah. Okay? When you live a life of boredom, boredom, you're opening the door for distractions because they are viewed as somebody that can cure my loneliness. Yeah. Point number two, control. 
control. Jesus mm. is trying to evict control. Is there anybody watching this that you try to control outcomes? You always constantly try to control things? Yes. Like you got your hands on the wheel, yes. and Jesus is saying, could you let me drive? No, I don't know this street, Lord. Yeah. He said, I, we need to go this way. Lord, I, I know which way I'm going. Yes. I know the directions. Saying, bro, last time you bust a tire, okay? So I don't want you to continue to go down the street that's going to cause you to delay because the GTA right now is like we're supposed to get there in 20 minutes. Yeah. But if you take your route, it's going to take about two years. Yes. So let's, <laughs> let me get in the driver's seat. I understand that you don't know this road. I understand that it's different. I understand that you never went this route, but I'm God. I need you to become the passenger and let me become the driver. Matter yeah. of fact, you don't even need to be the passenger. You can get in the back seat. Right. You can put your seatbelt on. Just trust me to drive your life. And right. I'm trying to tell you something that freed Jerry. When Jerry recognized, bro, you don't control outcomes. You really don't control results. You can go to school to be a lawyer, but you can't make a law firm hire you. My wife and I could you know, create an event to go on tour, but we can't make people buy tickets. There is a level of control that you will always eventually run into the wall of your limitation. Yeah. And when you understand God's running this and not me. Yeah. I'm not concerned about what tomorrow holds because I know who holds tomorrow. Right. And I have to get my life in an alignment where God, you're in control and not me. And many times... Jesus is saying, you know what I need to do in your life right now? I need to evict your control freak. It's good. Because uh, you keep on going down streets that keep sending you in recovery, and I'm ready to advance. Somebody say control. And, and I'm going to say this. A lot of it isn't just you're trying to control situations. You're trying to control people. Mm. And, like, you can't, I think we're talking about kingdom relationships and kingdom marriages, right? You can't. Control people. Talk. And I know a lot of, and you know, ladies may be mad at me, but I know a lot of women have these control issues, especially the, my generation of women. <laughs> like, you know, we're very successful and we're independent, which is uh, fabulous. Trust me, I was there. Um, you know, when I was unmarried, I was doing my thing like a boss, and I, and I celebrate any woman that is, you know, living her life, doing her thing, and pursuing purpose. Mm -hmm. But when you get into a relationship, you can't control your husband. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. And I, I, I mean, I know I want to touch on that because you're so used to controlling everything else in your life or making the decisions or making, you know, uh, all your moves, you know, like a boss. But when you get into a relationship, you can't control that person. Yeah. You can't control how they react. You can't control how they respond. Mm -hmm. You can't control how they think. You can't control what they do. You can't control your marriage. Like, that isn't even God's design. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of women, you may need to deal with your control issues. And I'm not saying men don't have control issues, because I'm sure several of them do. But because I'm, women, I'm a woman, I like to, to, to talk to the heart of the women. We have to deal with those control issues. Because I can't, listen, I can't tell him what to do. And, can't, and then get mad when he doesn't do it the way that I want him to do it. Yeah. Like, that is something that a lot of women have issues with already in marriage. They're trying to control their husbands. Yeah. You cannot, okay? God is over him. What you do is you go to God in prayer. If there's something that he needs to change, you yeah. go to God in prayer. You may talk to him about it and say, God, I know I can't, I can't change this person. And, yeah. and we hear that, like, 
you can't change a person. That is real. Listen, yeah. that is a real statement. Yeah. You cannot change a person. Change is a matter of a man's will. Talk. Okay, you cannot, I cannot change him. And we learned in our marriage that we couldn't change each other. And quick. he, uh, yeah, real quick. You learned like, that real quick. He couldn't control me. He couldn't control, like he, and sometimes he would try. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would try. Mm -hmm. And we would bump heads constantly yeah. because we realized we cannot control each other. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of times we need to ev even evict that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I can control my life because if you're unmarried, you can control some of the outcomes. You know, you can control, you know, hey, I, where I go to, you know, where I work or where I apply. There's certain things that you have stewardship over in your life. But once you get into that thing and that marriage, yeah. you can't be controlling things. You yeah. can work together. Like we said in, in the previous um, message, your teammates. Yeah. Okay. And I know some in some like basketball games, if if one um, player is doing too much, they call them a ball hog, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're, you're trying to control the ball too much and you're not allowing the other teammates to help you win the game because right. you think you can do it all by yourself yeah. and you can't. Like that's why you have teammates, okay? You pass the ball. There's different positions to come together yeah. to make the team. And yeah. that's what happens in a marriage. You're yeah. not controlling everything and then they're just watching, standing from the sidelines. You yeah. can't do that. You have to allow God to evict that as well. Very well said. Uh, I was thinking, like, when you were saying women, you know, um, a lot of times the guys that are narcissistic, the guys that are dictators yeah. and that are controlling, they prey on the insecure. Yes. And so what? And the lonely. And the lonely. Right. So sometimes you are positioning yourself to enter into a relational context with a chauvinistic man because you don't understand who you are in God already, and you're not secure already, so you'll confuse their control as love. You, they, they love me. They, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't have did this, and maybe no, no, th this is not love. Yeah, this is not love. Mm -hmm. It kind of, kind of makes me think about um, two things. I want you to consider. This may be um, different for you, but I want you to consider, and it's and it's theologically sound. Okay. You don't really see in the text the Bible saying wives love your husbands, mm -hmm. okay? But you see it say respect your husband, right? okay? But it does say husbands love your wives, you right. know, like Christ loved the church, right. okay? So I think there's, there's a question that ladies have to ask themselves. It's not about love, girl. It's about respect. I think you need to ask yourself this question. Mm. Does this man do anything that is worthy of me respecting him? Right. Let's just take love out the equation for a second, okay? Do I respect him? Does he do anything that's respect-worthy? Does he do anything respectful? And do I see him modeling respect to others? Yeah. Because one of your requirements is going to be to respect your husband. It's going to be hard for you to respect somebody that doesn't respect you. It's going to be hard for you to respect somebody that's disrespectful to you, disrespectful to others, and even worse, to add insult to injury, disrespectful to God. Yeah. I'm not saying don't love him, but I'm saying can you respect him? Yeah. Because a lot of people are saying, well, I love him, but does he do anything that you can respect? Yeah. I know that's going to mess some people up that's right good. there. That's Look, number three, we know what the Lord is trying to evict, cultural logic. Mm. Cultural logic. I want, to, I want you to think about something. Everything that's normal to culture is abnormal to kingdom. Right. 
And everything that is normal to kingdom is abnormal to culture. Culture says you got to get respect to get it. Mm -hmm. Kingdom says we show honor. Honor thy father and mother. It doesn't say honor your good mother. Honor your good father. I feel like I'm messing some people up. It says honor them because they are just, if all they are is the transportational system that God used to get you here in the earth for that reason and that reason alone, honor that. Jesus could do no miracles in his hometown because a prophet is without honor everywhere else else in his hometown. And I think the biggest issue, especially for millennials and Generation Z, is we think honor is weakness. We think honor is weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Culture says, hey, if they hate you, I mean, if they hate me, hate them. Right. Kingdom says, bless those that hate us. Right. <laughs> right, right. If you ain't want me, if you don't want me, then don't talk to me. <laughs> That's culture. Right. Kingdom is like, yo, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. And when you're truly are living a kingdom lifestyle, truly living a kingdom lifestyle, it's going to look weird to culture. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, 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 and let me say this. I, I think... Because this age is so exposed to social media and, and the internet and, you know, we're the information age, we're, we have all of this, these philosophies and we yeah. have all of these schools of thought and we have all of these ways of thinking. Yeah. Uh, but the word of God is the constant thing that we should always refer to. Mm. Always, always, always. So those schools of thought will constantly change. Yeah. Okay, those, those philosophies will constantly change. And, and the sad thing is, if you're a believer and you adopt some of those cultural uh, norms or cultural philosophies, then there's no way that you can completely identify with the kingdom. Yeah. And I think a lot of people want to pick apart the, the word of God. Like, I'm going to yeah. take this part, and I'm going to take this part, but this part I don't think applies to me, so I'm not going to do that part. Yeah. And that's people's cultural logic. A lot of people that claim Christianity, that, came, that claim kingdom, that claim to be believers, they, they, they say they serve Jesus, but then their, their, their actions and their beliefs and their philosophies say otherwise. Yeah. Their lifestyle says otherwise. The, the Bible and the word of God is the only philosophy we're supposed to follow, yeah. period. Yeah. And, and you can't pick apart what you want to follow and yeah. then adopt what the culture says also. Yeah. Like we are spo- they're supposed to be... Uh, you're supposed to be separate, okay? Yeah. We we are among people. We are in this world, but we are not of, of this, this world, world. Yeah. okay? We are we are in you know in this place, but we don't. We're not supposed to adopt everything that we that that the world does. Yeah. And the, there's a problem when you're blending in too much, and yeah. when people can't tell what side you're on, yeah. or who you serve, or yeah. who you belong to, yeah. because you identif- identify so much with what the culture identifies with. Yeah. Now, I'm not even talking about maybe certain styles or, you know, maybe, you know, uh, a ways of dress or things like that, but I- I'm talking about the way that you view life, the way that yeah. you view relationships, the way that you view the kingdom, the way that you view sin. Like, yeah. we're, let, let's talk about we are believers that are called to do the great commission okay and 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 god has plans for our lives but if we are so uh so trying to blend in and identify with the culture how can god possibly do a miracle in our lives yeah how could god possibly do the amazing and the miraculous in our lives and remove those things that he needs from us because 
we're so consumed with what the culture is doing. Yeah. You know, what we're watching, what we're listening to, what, are, what, what people around us are doing. Yeah. We, there has to be a separate dis and distinct thing about the people of God. Yeah. And, and if you look too much like the culture, then how are you going to impact the culture? Talk, yeah. So good. Uh, the next two are going to mess you up, but I want to show you something. We did it a while ago, but I want to show you again because I want you to really understand that everything kingdom is absolutely the antithesis of culture. It's the total opposite, right? Like when God blesses you, it's not so that you could raise your, your standard of living. It's so that you could raise your standard of giving. That's Everything it. is absolutely opposite, right. okay? So I want to show you this really quickly. It's my, da my daughter's like Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse yeah, you can just put it here. Um, so you just stand right there, right? And so a lot of us, we are in relational context or we're in a position where we want God to send us something, right? Can I get everybody to say send? Same. Okay, but here's the issue. God's like, I can't send until that ends. Good. When you want me to come in, I have to evict that. So God starts off by blessing you. He just blessing your life, and you're like, oh, yes, the Lord is good. Look at you catching Mrs. Flowers. Come on here. Oh, she dropped one. Now, I want you to notice I'm still trying to bless her life. I'm still trying to give her more. She's dropping the blessings. I'm still trying to flood her life. She's holding on to them. She can't catch that one. Now, look, here it is. Look at you dropping all of them. Leave them down there. Leave them down there. Now, look at this. Now, she's asking, God, give me clarity. God, I need you to give me a raise. God, I need you to give me a better position. God, I need you to give, send me a husband, Lord. You caught that one. God, send me a wife. God, help me be the first millionaire. And so now we're discovering the problem is it's not that God's not blessing you. It's not that God is not blessing you. It's that you're not giving nothing. And a lot of us, until we give some stuff up, until we let some stuff go, it's not that heaven is not trying to bless you. It's not that God hasn't heard your prayers. It's not that God's not trying to give you more than enough. It's not that God is not sending things to you. It's that you're so busy hoarding things that you can't catch new things. Amen. Now, I want you to throw all that. Now, the text is, give and it shall be given unto you. So if I give, give it away. I give, give it away. I give, give it away. What if this is what kingdom looks like? You're not hoarding it, but you're constantly catching it to give it away. And this is what I want you to remember. Maybe God is saying, listen, there's some things I want to give you, yeah. but I can't give you right. unless you let me get rid of that That's in your good. life. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Point number four, going to get in trouble. We're going to try to move quick. Sexpectations. Mm. What is that? It's when you merge sex and expectations together. I think it's kind of clever, actually. I think so, too. Sexpectations. Now, why in the world would Jesus want to evict that? What if I were to tell you that God's original intent for sex was for it to be a discovery, not an exhibit? And so when you have the mindset already, we're going all the way here on a Thursday night. We are. When you have the mindset, I like if he hit it like this. I like if she do it like this. Mm -hmm. God's like, I have to um, remove that and you have to evict that because by default, you're comparing what you did in sin to what I'm now going to do in a covenant. Yeah. That's good. You're, you're saying like, what if I practice abstinence, get married, and the sex sucks? Right, right, right. And God is saying, um, first off, my original intent 
was for you to never really open that door. Like God's right. original intent, right. can we talk about his original intent? Because right. he, does have a prefer, he does have a preferred will. Yes. What he wants is for a virgin to get with the virgin right. so you don't know what you're doing, bruh, and she don't know what she's doing, right. and y'all learn as you go. Oh, right. I like this. Right. I do like this. Right. I don't like this. I don't like that either. And right. you begin to learn yeah. so that the devil doesn't have access to step in your marriage, right. and you are trying to compare your wife to a porn star. Yeah. That's good stuff. And so now you're like, you know what? She doesn't satisfy me. No, you haven't been spiritually detoxed. Yep, that's good. You haven't detoxed from the porn. We're yes. going all the way here. We're trying to help you. Mm-hmm. You haven't been detoxed from the porn. You haven't been detoxed from all the stuff that happened in college. And right now, some of us don't even recognize your unmarried state is a place where you could cleanse. That's good. That's good. You could cleanse. You could turn down the volume. We don't fast for houses. Yeah. We don't fast for cars. We fast to turn down the volume yeah. of our flesh. For purity. You know why we fast? Yeah. We fast to strengthen our no. Yes, that's good. That's good. That's you don't have power over me. Right. Self-mastery. So that when God does give you a good thing, so that when God does give you a king, the devil can't step in with his deceitful, stupid self and make you miss on what God is trying to do because you can't get over Alicia, you can't get over Stephen, you can't get over Michael, you can't get over Brittany. And so by default, when we go in this thing saying, I like it like this, you are already comparing that person to people of the past. What if they don't like it like that? Right. Is that too much? It's not too much. And... You know, that's why the word of God says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And a lot of us, we have not allowed God to rewire and renew our mind from what, and this goes with our last point, what the culture says about what sex um, should be in a marriage and a relationship. We are so um, polluted by what the world and what the media um, has said um, sex should be. Um, that we have to take the time for God to purify that from us so that we don't have all of those unrealistic and sometimes very filthy and unfruitful thoughts when you get into a a, a marriage. Yeah. And, and like you said before, you cannot compare a sinful act to a holy union or a holy covenant. Mm. Like, you can't do that, and that's what people do. And, you know, uh, the sad thing is a lot of people want to get married so, so they can legally have sex. Woo. And, you know, certain Christians. I mean, I'm just going to be real about it. It's, it's a real feeling. It happens. People want to be able to, to, to legally have sex. And mm-hmm. not that it's not a part of marriage, but that's not why you get married. And yeah. I've had several conversations with people. They just, you know, they, they, they're like, well, the word says, you know, it's better to marry than burn with passion. Yeah. And then when all that passion is gone and you're with this partner because you just married him so you can you know, have sex legally, then you have no purpose together. Yeah. Then, you, then, then all you had was sex in common. Yeah. That's it. This woman just said sex in common. That's all you had was, you know, you, you had sex in common. And you didn't have purpose in common. You didn't have you destiny in common. <laughs> That's all you had in common was that you had sex together. Mm, and then, mm, you, and then you, you make that a marriage. And, that, and, and it's a part of marriage, but it's a fraction of it. Especially when your kingdom, like your whole, our whole existence is not, you know, just to be in an intimate sexual relationship. Our, our marriage far supersedes that. It far supersedes that. When you're in a kingdom marriage, you are trying to, to do what God has called you to do together as a unit uh, for the kingdom of God. Okay? Right. Sex is a part, but it's not the totality of your marriage. And if you are trying to get, to get married, to have sex legally, Woo. you need to get that evicted. 
Man, I, I just feel just the heat on this. Like, I feel like I'm sweating for y'all. <laughs> I'm just feeling the heat on this. What if I told you that one of the dangers of sex before marriage is you could end up marrying somebody to recreate a sexual, sexual, sexual experience rather than a purposeful union? Yeah. So the only reason you got with them was to recreate a sexual experience, mm -hmm. but this is not a purposeful union. You ain't going to be having no type of sex when y'all ain't getting along, when you understand that they're narcissistic. And they they're selfish. They're selfish. And they mean. And they mean. <laughs> they got a bad attitude. They don't, she, don't, she can't respect you. She can't follow you. But, you know, the sex is good. I mean, and people don't want to talk about that type of stuff. Like, there's, there's so much more. There's yeah. so much more to relationships and, and marriage than yeah. being able to have sex legally. Yeah. Okay? You, there, you have to be able to live and to become mm -hmm. one. I have to be able to submit and follow this person, I, 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 this man, I have to be able to, to look up to him to see how he's going to father my children and, yeah. how, and how he's going to lead my family. Yeah. That goes beyond sex. Yeah, sex clouds your judgment. You won't be able to think. You won't be able to think right because it's creating this, this feeling in your body, like really like, like your endorphins and dopamines. You're releasing things in your brain yeah. that is of the same chemicals that yeah. release in your brain when you do right. drugs. Right. And wow. the enemy knows, like, if I can get them to be hooked or a slave to good sex, they'll never let go of bad things mm. because they're caught up in how they feel versus being a spirit-led and spirit-filled kingdom citizen. I feel like this is coming for everybody's life, but it's needed. We need to talk about this. I think a lot of us wouldn't have made the choices that we've made if we would have had conversations like this. Right. You may have never heard of sex expectations. Hearing somebody say that, listen, God's original desire is for you to detox from that right. and your singleness so that right. you're not a slave to it in your marriage right, state. Right, right, you right, know what right. married problems are? Single problems that were never dealt with. Right, right. And I'm going to so, say this one last thing. I'm sorry. I remember we were at a marriage conference and it was a couple that they, they uh, when they got, you know, they, they were uh, sexually active before they got married. And then he, the husband said he had to fight um, thoughts when he got married to her because he didn't want to look at his wife as a piece of meat anymore. Because when they were unmarried, he looked at her at like a piece of meat. Mm -hmm. And he was like, she's not a piece of meat. You know, she's yeah. my wife. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She's my helper. And so he had to, to, to and I, I mean, I remember them talking about that in the session. He had to detox and, and unlearn and, and, and rewire his brain how to see his own wife. Like, he didn't want to look at her like a piece of meat anymore. He wanted to look uh, at her as, as a purposeful partner in their, in, in their union. Yeah. So that stuff is, it's real, and people deal with it. And you want to deal with that, you know, in the unmarried state if you can. And, if, you know, if you're already married, God can still evict those things if you provide that atmosphere. Yeah, we're going to have to come back and just yeah. like, just have a whole session on just sex. Maybe that'll be part 10, something about sexual purity and oh, okay. kingdom, whatever. Wow, okay. Um, five and six kind of go, in together, go yeah. together. Uh, Jesus wants to evict your preference, and he also wants to evict why friends, mm. okay? So number five is your preference, and number six is why friends, mm -hmm. okay? When I say that he wants to evict your preference, Jairus wanted Jesus to be a healer. Jesus knew before Jairus ever came to him that his daughter was going to die. So it's like, okay, your preference is for me to be a healer, but my preference is for me to be a resurrector. Yeah. And you have to be able to submit and trust God enough when he doesn't meet your preference as the healer, mm. trust that he can meet your preference as the resurrector. That's good. And so if we That's talk good. about why, friends, right? Um, verse 35 of our foundational text, it says, While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, who said, your daughter is dead, 
why trouble the teacher? Mm. Why trouble the teacher? You know what why friends are? Girl, why you not giving them none? Why, would, why are you staying with her? Why are you doing that? Why are you saving like that? There are people in your life that constantly challenge right. your why right. by asking their why. Right. These people were really trying to get they were really trying to get him to stop talking to Jesus. In other right. words, they were saying, hey, bro, you're wasting your time with that praying. You're wasting your time with that church. Right. You're wasting that time with that webisodes. You're wasting that time with being pure. Yeah. You're wasting that time with saving. Yeah. You're wasting that time. He was like, listen, why do this stuff anymore? Right. What you really wanted him to do is over. And Jesus has to switch your preference to show you it's not over. Just believe. That's right? good. That's good. Now, last point, and we're done. Crowd identity. You can put Luke chapter 5 on the screen. I hope this is good for you. Crowd identity. Jesus wants to evict you trying to merge in with the crowd because there is three types of people, I believe. I believe there's a person that you post. There's a person that you let your close friends and family members see. And there's a person that you never let anybody see. And that last version of yourself is the truest version of you. And Jesus wants to deal with that. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, we're done. It says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out, have gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people, taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus was looking for a stage. He was looking for a stage. This, all, this is what marriage is supposed to be, Amen. a stage. Yeah. Jesus said, hey, I need you to push your boat back because I have this multitude that need to hear the word. And so I'm going to step in your boat, and I want you to put me in a position where everybody can see me. And then after you let everybody see me, I'm going to turn around and help you get what you're trying to catch. Maybe this is why Simon didn't catch any fish the night before because Jesus was coming in the morning. And this is all marriage is supposed to be. You know what we're doing right now? We're a stage. Jesus is on top of our covenant. And we're like, hey, everybody, look, look at this. This is, he's the one that's trying to evict. Keep pointing. He's the one that's trying to evict. It ain't about us. It's not about Redefine TV. It's not about Jerry. It's not about Tanisha. Right. We're trying to give glory right. to God. This right. is who we want you to focus right. on. Right. This is who we're trying to give glory right. to. Because right. as long as he's pleased, we're going to be pleased. Amen. And do you desire marriage? And do you want to be married? Because I want to be a stage. I want to be a stage for others to see how good our God is. So God, we thank you. We thank you for this moment for just coming together and just having sometimes hard conversations, God, about living a life of purpose and recognizing that the things that we're supposed to fix in our life, oh God, and whatever it is in our life that you need to evict God, evict it. Even if it hurts, evict it. Even if we don't like it, evict it. Even if it's uncomfortable, evict it. Even if it's what we've always known, evict it. Because like we see in our foundational text, that, gir that girl could not get up until certain people got out. And God, we don't want to risk things getting up in our life because there are things that you haven't evicted from our life. Give us the strength to let it go so that you can get glory in Jesus' name.